Whoa, yeah. What's up, everybody? It's me. What do you think of that intro? I don't know if I'm like at this point that I'm recording, I don't know if I'm going to be able to put the intro in. But if there was an intro, like the Intergalactic Planetary from the Beastie Boys, uh, big shout out to Zach Taylor, a.k.a. DJ Sleepwalker. That's right. Or Luke Sleepwalker. Maybe it's Luke Sleepwalker. It's it's either Luke Sleepwalker or just Sleepwalker. Um, So Zach Taylor, you know, the guy that, I've talked to a couple times before. You know him. You love him. Uh, Longtime guest of the show. Uh, He is also... um, He's also musically gifted. Um, So he... Put that uh, little thing together for me. Um... One day at his house. So the last time we had like a show at his house, um, after the show, we recorded that little bit. And I've been meaning to find a way to put that in there uh, this entire time. But I have not been able to figure out a way. But I have the software that can combine and overlay different uh, recorded sounds, like what I'm recording right now. Also, uh, the pre-recorded little intro that we did um, and and lay those two on top of each other to kind of make it seamless. And so I haven't tested it out yet. If, if, so I'm just, uh, this whole thing that I'm saying could be moot. Like everything I'm saying right now, if you're listening to this and you didn't hear an intro, then it's all moot. But at the, but the time that I'm making this, I'm going to try to combine the two after I record this and put it in the software. It's called audacity, by the way, audacity. I don't know if it works yet or not. So, like, don't go out and, and buy stock in Audacity. Um, it's Audacity, A-U-D-A-C-I-T-Y. Um, but anyway, I, I'm trying. I'm going to try that out and see if I can put the two together. So, uh, this whole thing may be moot, like I said, if you didn't hear that in the beginning, but whatever. Um, hey, so last time I was... Uh, well, last time I recorded, um, I told you that the following day I was going to go do an open mic. And I did go to the open mic, but I didn't do the open mic. Um, I went to it. So here's the thing I didn't realize about open mic. So first of all, I get uh, to Hyenas, which is the place I was going to do the open mic at. Hyenas and Mockingbird Station in Dallas. Um, and... I got there and uh, actually I had my, my buddy Miguel sign up for me because I, I didn't get there till later. Like the sign up list will drop at like six o'clock. Um, and then they give you till seven o'clock to sign up. And then the doors open at eight or maybe the doors open at seven, but the show starts at eight. I'm sorry. That's what it was. Uh, but I wanted to sign up like earlier rather than later because I was under the impression that the sooner you sign up, it's like first come first serve thing. So if I was one of the first ones to sign up, I'd be one of the first ones to, to go up and do the open mic. But that is not the case at all. So uh, I learned a little lesson on how open mics work. So it doesn't matter what order you sign up in. Uh, there is some guy 
I don't know who this person is, but this, there's somebody who looks at the list of all the people who have signed up and uh, then they basically put you in an order uh, based on, I, I don't know what it's based on. I, I assume that the people that they know go earlier. I'm sure they have some method to the madness, but um, I didn't know what that method was or that there was a method at all. And so I had uh, my buddy Miguel, who was really the one who was encouraging me to go. Shout out to Miguel. Um, so Miguel uh, went because he lives like right next to hyenas. He lives in he lives in Mockingbird Station. And so uh, he went down there like right at six o'clock and he signed my name up for me. Um, and I was thinking, all right, I'm going to go on soon. So I get there and, you know, I'm having cold feet and everything. And I'm thinking about not going up. Um, but then I, I get in there and the show starts and uh, I'm seeing all these people. And there's a lot of people there to do the open mic. I mean, there's a lot. There's way more people there to do the open mic then there were people watching the open mic. Like there might've been 10 people in the audience who weren't there to actually do the open mic, who were just there to watch. But there was like a hundred, and I'm not shitting you, there was like a hundred open micers. So it's basically all these open micers watching each other do open mics. Um, only... Uh, 90% of the open micers aren't in there at any given time uh, because the way that they do the scheduling in terms of who goes up and when is they do it in blocks. So this particular night they had four blocks and there was 10. I said, I just said that there was a hundred open micers. There was like 40. Okay. Uh, Cause there was four blocks and each block had 10 people in it. Um, block one uh, started at eight, um, and then they would do 10 people in block one, and each person in block one would get five minutes, and then block two would start, and so on and so forth. But um, so I'm, I'm in there, and I, and I don't know about the whole block thing. Like, Miguel signed me up. I walk in. I don't know what to expect. This is my first time ever doing this. I just kind of go in there to sit down and I start watching the other open micers. And I, and I don't know about this whole block system scheduling thing. Um, and so halfway through the first block, I get up and I walk to this table because I, I see that there's this list that everyone keeps going and looking at, the other open micers. And so I was like, well, I wonder what that is. So I go and I look, I look at the list and that's when I see the whole list of blocks block one block two block three block four and um the order so i find my name and i am halfway through block four and so each block takes about an hour and i'm halfway through block four so basically three and a half hours ish from the time they started at eight was when i would go up um so basically I'm looking at 1130 to midnight before I even go up. So at about halfway, well, at the end of block one, block two started and it was about nine o'clock. And I said, 
I was already tired. I'm like, <laughs> most of these other open micers are like young kids. I say kids. I mean, they're probably in their mid twenties, maybe late twenties. I didn't see many that looked like they were in their thirties. If they were, well, there was a couple that were older. Yeah. But they're, you know, they're kind of the old dogs. They were older cats who'd probably been doing this for a long time. And that's why they got into block one. Um, but uh, there, my point is, is that me being almost 37, by the way, my birthday is tomorrow. So I'm recording this on June 14th. My birthday is tomorrow, June 15th. So by the time this comes out, this will be, uh, this will be my birthday. So this is a birthday special. Um, so anyway, I said, fuck this, I'm hungry. So me, Miguel, and his girlfriend, Jenny, uh, we go to the Barley House. We, we, we walk on the Katy Trail from the, the Katy Trail uh, connects Mockingbird Station to other parts of Dallas. And so it's just like a short, maybe half a mile walk up to the Barley House. And we walk to the Barley House and we have food and drinks. And by the time we're done, it's like 11 o'clock. And I'm like, well, at this point, I could go back and do the open mic. But I'm also almost 37 years old and I'm very tired. And so I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't. I was tired. Uh, at this point, I was just over it. Like in the beginning, when I first got there, I really I was kind of nervous because I saw all these other people and there's all these weird, wacky looking people like, you know, people with goofy shirts and in fun beards and, you know, multicolored uh, hair, like pink and blue and shit. And I'm like, oh my God. And they're all hanging out in a group like outside. It's like all these open micers that all know each other. And I'm like, oh fuck, I do not fit in i'm like this 37 almost year old dad i've got on jeans and a flannel shirt and a ball cap <laughs> there's all like these young kids that are just hanging out outside and they all just look very funny but here's the thing once i got in there and I actually started watching them i was like oh fuck these guys aren't that funny like i'm not trying to be shitty some of them actually were but like 90 percent of them i was like Oh my God, they're, they're not, they're not really funny. They look funny, but they're not like, ha ha funny. You know, it's just, uh, it, it's, uh, there's something not working and, and I'm not talking shit. I swear to God, I'm not talking shit, but I, I just had this idea going into my head that they were all going to be like pros, just like knocking it out of the park. And they, and then I get in there, I guess I had my expectations too high. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe they're not bad. Maybe I just had my bar just set way too high. So um, I go in there and, and, and they're like, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I can hang with all these people pretty much. Um, well, at least I feel like I can. Of course, who knows? I haven't actually done this yet, right? So like, I'm, but in my head, um, I went from thinking, oh, shit, these people are way funnier than me to uh, maybe not. So I was starting to feel better and that's when i was like oh shit okay i'm gonna go up there and check the list um and that's when i found out i wasn't gonna go on till almost midnight and so i said uh no thanks and i had an hour drive back home that's that's the other thing so if i if i went on 
I might not get home until like 1.30 in the morning. And I was not about to do that. So um, I didn't do it. I'm going to try again um, on Wednesday. So that's the 16th. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday is June 15th. That's my birthday. I'm going to try it the day after because it's every Wednesday. And maybe I'll have better luck. I don't know. But I guess we'll find out. So what's keeping the sad away tonight? <clears throat> um, nine banded whisk acid. Um, again, fuck. Sorry, Aaron. Aaron's going to get on to me about saying, um, shout out to Aaron Smith, which by the way, Aaron did call me to tell me how much he enjoyed my, um, fuck, I said, um, again. <laughs> uh, he, and then I lead with another, uh, he, he called me to tell me how much he enjoyed my joke about uh, hitting women. Apparently, he's a big fan of domestic violence. I said he should talk to somebody about that. Uh, well, so, you know, we'll see if he does or not. So thank you, Aaron. I'm glad. I'm glad you got a chuckle. I appreciate it. So what's keeping the sad away tonight is I'm back to nine banded whiskey. It says Austin, Texas, very large on the label up front. But once again, like we've established, it's actually uh, distilled in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Uh, then it is shipped to Austin, where it is bottled with water from the Austin area. And then sold to us as local stuff. Once again, not bad. It's good. I like it because it's smooth. That's why I like it. Um, so what did I do for my birthday to celebrate my birthday? Well, I watched Mulan. Not the, not the cartoon version. The live action version. And I have some notes. Okay. I have some notes about the movie. So, first of all, spoiler alert, not a great movie. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I hate Asians. Let that sink in for a second. If you don't know me by now, if you don't know me by now, I say shit I don't mean just because I want to make you uncomfortable. Because it makes me happy. Knowing that you're uncomfortable. I can feel your buttholes tightening as I say that. I don't really hate Asians. It's my favorite kind of porn. But Mulan is not a great movie. Uh, so first of all, if you're the lady, if you're the young lady, who I'm sure is very nice, who got cast as Mulan, that's a real yay boo moment, isn't it? Like, yay, I got the part, but boo, it's because the people basically said, yeah, you could pass for a dude. I mean, if you're like a young lady and you're auditioning for Mulan, you must know going in that you're going to be playing a character who is a girl, but convinces everyone she's a dude just because she put her hair in a bun. Because 
if you see an Asian dude with his hair in a bun, you think samurai. And then when you see a white guy with his hair in a bun, you think hipster douchebag. Not necessarily a douchebag, but you think hipster, right? So you don't necessarily think warrior, but um, it works with, with Asian culture. And so that's just a thought I had that uh, that must be kind of weird for her to be like, hmm, all I have to do is put my hair in a bun and I look like a dude now. Um, so that was one thing. That's not the reason the movie sucked. The reason the movie sucked is I felt like this was really lazy writing. Like there was all this shit that was happening in the movie that, and I know that's a fictitious movie, but when Disney remakes these movies as live action, they try to make them as if this stuff is real. But in Mulan, for whatever reason, it was a little too Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragony, And it worked in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon because they made it so over the top that there's no way you would believe that any of this was real. But when Disney tries to remake a movie in live action, um, they are supposed to make it to where it's believable. And some of the stuff they were doing just did not make sense. It just defied the laws of physics and it just looked cheap. And it was like lazy writing, like where things would happen and they would just pass it off as like, oh, Disney magic. Like there was this uh, one scene where these, the writers of the, this evil army like the head guy and these evil warriors who were attacking the town, uh, they literally ran straight up a sheer 90 degree cliff or not cliff, but wall, just a straight up wall, just ran straight up it. Uh, which uh, technically speaking, if you have enough speed, you could go up a straight wall for a second. So like, let's say that they were going super fast. They could go up the straight wall for a second. Okay, I get that. But here's the weird part. When they get to the top of the wall, you know, you get to the top of the wall and there's a top part where it's, it flattens out again. And then the, the good guys are there with the bow and arrows and they're like shooting them off, right? Like when they got to that part, they ran straight up the wall surrounding the town. These are like castle walls, right? Because it's back in the day. And they ran straight up the wall and without using their hands, when they got to the top of the wall, they went from running straight up the wall with their heads pointing out away from the wall, like they're laying parallel with the ground, to when they get to the top of the wall, suddenly their body arcs up and over. And then now they're inside the wall. And I'm like, okay. I'll give you the running straight up the wall. Because technically, if they're going super fast, I'll give you super speed and then go straight up the wall. But then there's no force of physics that accounts for the sudden 
reorientation of their body from a horizontal plane to a sudden vertical plane and then moving forward in the opposite direction in which they were previously moving. And I know I'm thinking way too much into this and you're thinking, Justin, first of all, what the fuck are you doing watching Mulan? You're a 37 year old man as of tomorrow. You're by yourself in an RV behind your parents' house by a pond watching Mulan. You're such a fucking loser. But then I'm going to ask you, okay, then why are you listening, listening to this right now? Who's the bigger loser here? Me or you? What do you got going on in your life right now? Nothing. Here we go. First sip. This isn't my first sip. This is just my first sip since I've been recording. Mm -mm. Straight bourbon whiskey, 90 proof. Um, so when I was at Hyenas, I was there, you know, how doors open up at seven, show starts at eight. I got there about 7.30. I met my buddy Miguel and his girlfriend Jenny there. Um, which, by the way, one of the best-looking couples in DFW has to be. Have to be one of the best-looking couples in DFW. They're like... It's like they walked off the set of Minority Bachelor. Miguel is obviously Hispanic. Very handsome fellow. Works out a lot successful smart jenny his girlfriend asian gal gorgeous she's a dentist great teeth right so those two are together and i meet them there in the lobby of hyenas nightclub and there i am looking disheveled at best with my flannel shirt and my jeans and my ball cap from this <laughs> job I used to work at um, where I stocked beer um, on nights and weekends for extra money back during my dark times. Um, and I was so broke, I was wanting to kill myself, uh, which is something we can get into later. Uh, but my point is, is that I wasn't looking great, right? And here I am, uh, you know, a single dad looking like that, about to do open mic for the first time at age 37. And it just really hit me how big of a loser I am. So I'm there feeling like a total loser. Um, and it was funny, though, because while we were sitting there in the lobby, some lady walked in with a backpack. So she walked in, she walked in with a backpack. She walked to the ladies restroom. Uh, she was in there for just a few seconds. 
And then she walked out without the backpack. And Miguel noticed this. I didn't notice this. Miguel noticed this. And Miguel was like, dude, that lady, she just walked in there. She had the backpack on and she came out without the backpack. And I was like, huh? I was like, which lady? He said, that lady right there. So we watched the lady. And the lady, she walks out of, of the nightclub or the comedy club, whatever. It's not a nightclub. Uh, she walks out of the doors and it's all glass windows. The whole wall is glass. So we're watching her. And she kind of like looks like she doesn't know exactly where she, she's going. She's kind of wandering, like kind of pacing back and forth, almost like she's, you know, not really sure of where she's going. Or oh, she almost looks nervous, right? And so at this point, I'm thinking I may be in a see something, say something situation here. But I don't want to be a Karen. So I'm like, okay, it's either a bomb and we're all about to die or it's something else. Now, I could err on the side of caution and go tell somebody. But then I might be perceived as a Karen. And I would rather everyone in Hyena's comedy club that night die from a bomb explosion rather than run the risk of being labeled a Karen. So... I decided I was going to let everyone die. I was going to take, that was a risk I was willing to take. So I didn't say anything. I actually asked Jenny, who's Miguel's girlfriend, if she wanted to go in there and check it out. And she didn't want to. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I kind of, you know, want to die anyway. So, uh, you know, this isn't really that big of a deal for me. So then she comes back in, the lady, the same lady comes back in with another backpack. She comes in and we're watching her the whole time. We're like, oh, fuck, here she comes. She's got another backpack. She walked into the ladies restroom again for just a few seconds, comes out without the backpack there are now two backpacks in the ladies restroom so now i'm like okay i know i'm gonna look like a karen but i should probably say something okay i was gonna let one bomb slide because then maybe it would kill some people but not the others you know but now we're talking about you know two bombs <sighs> I'm like, oh, fuck, fine. All right. And and Miguel and Jenny, they didn't want to go say anything. Even though they're minorities and they wouldn't be looked at as a Karen, they put the obligation on the white guy, the straight white guy, to walk up to the guy at the bar who's working there, who's the only guy that's working there that we can see so is the guy behind the bar. There's like no one else that works there. Uh, in the lobby at this point it's just the guy at the bar that's it um so i go to the guy and i'm like hey man um i don't know if it's a big deal or not but there's this 
I, I well, here's what I said. I said, is it weird if someone walks into the ladies' bathroom with a backpack and they come out a few seconds later without the backpack? And then they go back in with another backpack and then they walk back out again and leave without a backpack again, twice in a row. And the guy at the bar was like, yeah, man. Yeah, that's pretty weird. And I was like, okay. Uh, so do, do you want And he was like, yeah, man, I don't have, there's no ladies working here tonight. Uh, so, you know, so I, I can't, I don't really have anyone to go in there and check. <laughs> so now this guy, this guy is also willing to let everyone in the club die to avoid having to go into the ladies restroom. That's a real conundrum. This guy's in as an employee. Could, he could go into the ladies restroom or there's no other ladies in there. Or he could let everyone in there die from a double bomb explosion. And he chooses to let everyone die. So, <laughs> so he said, uh, he, he asked who it was. And I said, well, I don't know. She's walked away now. And he was like, is it this? And he described what the lady looked like, like to a T. And I was like, yeah, it's that lady. He's like, oh, yeah, I've seen her before. And I'm like, okay. Uh, is that supposed to make me feel better? <laughs> the fact that you know what the terrorist looks like? Like, where do you know her from? You know what she looks like? Did you see her on the news? Did she have a severed head in her hands? Was she yelling, Allah Akbar? with a severed head in her hand and a machete in the other. Like what? <laughs> he was so dismissive. Oh yeah. I've seen her before. It's like, uh, okay. Well, that's good. You know, you know what the terrorist looks like. That's great. So that was it. <laughs> that just, I still don't know what happened. I, I didn't see the lady again the rest of the night. I don't know what the fuck was going on. I don't know if it was a drug deal. I mean, she was dropping off some bags. Somebody else is going to come in later, get the shit out of the bags and leave the money in the bag. She was going to come in. I don't know. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a drug deal. No clue, but no one died. There were no explosions. Um, so I, I guess it's fine. Bing. I need my bill. Aaron said he's going to buy me a bell. He's going to buy me one of those little ring bell for service bells, like you see at the front desk. Which, by the way, am I the only one who feels like an absolute dick every time you ring that bell for the service bell? Like you go somewhere and there's no one at the front desk and it's got a little bell there. And there's even, there probably even a little sign right next to it that says ring bell for service. And you look at it and you're like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could ring the bell for service, but the person could also spit in my food. So, uh, 
typically what I do in that situation, I go up to the front desk and there's no one there. I don't like immediately ring the bell. I'll give it like 30 seconds. And then I'll start like pacing back and forth, hoping that perhaps someone will see like my silhouette or my shadow or something moving around. And they'll give some sort of, uh, of indication that there's someone, maybe they'll hear my f- shoe squeak on the floor or something. Um, and then I'll give them like, maybe they're just around the corner you know, watching porn or something. And then they'll realize that I'm there. And then they'll come out and I have to ring the bell. Um, and so I typically try and do that, but there are times where I've had to ring the bell and then I ring the bell ding, and then the person comes walking up and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's just instantly apologizing because I feel like such an asshole for ringing the bell. I don't know why. I mean, it, they put a sign there. They put the bell there. They put a sign there. And then the person's not there. I mean, and so, like, I, I feel like I shouldn't feel bad for ringing the bell, but I do. I still do. I don't know why. Maybe it's an internal thing. Maybe I'm the only one. So, anyway, I name a little bell. Um, isn't it, isn't it weird? Okay. I was thinking about this, this whole, everybody is beautiful movement. Am I the only one that thinks that's just bullshit? I don't, everybody's not beautiful. It's just not like, if if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about this whole movement, I don't know if you call it a movement. Maybe it's not a movement. Maybe me talking about it being a movement is going to make it a movement and make it some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy where it becomes a movement because people keep referring to it as a movement. I'm not going to say it's a movement, but it's something I've seen out there. Uh, and, and, and you know just i don't i'm not heavy on social media i have one i have facebook that's all i have i don't have instagram I snapchat i don't have all i don't have all this other shit on twitter i don't have anything i literally just have one facebook page or, or account that i check maybe twice a day for about 30 seconds at a time it's mostly gardening groups where I go on, I, I check my gardening groups just to see what other gardeners are doing because I like to garden. And that's about it, honestly. Um, I might happen to see some stuff that some of my friends have posted. That's the thing about Facebook. Here's the thing. The less you use it, the more relevant the stuff is to you. I figured this out. See, we think that The more you use it, the more the algorithm figures out what you like and the more it delivers you the things that you like. And so it's like figuring you out better. But when you don't use it, there's nothing to go off of. So it just sends you stuff from people that you know or people who you interact with the most. So when I get on there, I I look at my news feed And all I see at the very top are like my closest friends and family. So I can scroll down 
and in 30 seconds be completely caught up on what all my friends and family are doing. And that's it. And most of the time, it's just nonsense. There's nothing special. They're not doing anything important or interesting. It's just random shit. And then I'm off of it. And that's it. That's all I do, literally. But in the process of doing that, every now and then I'll see that or I'll hear something on the radio um, about this body positivity movement. And, and listen, here's the thing. I'm not saying that people should be fat shamed or bullied or made fun of because of their body. That's not what I'm saying. I do not think that. I think the opposite of that. I don't think anyone should be bullied or, or be made to feel less than because of just, just based solely on the fact of how their body looks. But there's a difference between, in my opinion, there's a difference between um, being negative towards somebody's appearance and being an enabler. Like, just because you're not negative towards someone's appearance doesn't mean that you have to act as an enabler to make that person feel like it's okay that they are the way that they are. If there's someone who is morbidly obese because they just have poor diet and lifestyle, there's a difference between shaming that person because they don't, because they don't look good and enabling them and telling them that they are fine the way that they are. So th this isn't an either or. You don't have to either shame them or support them. There is this big giant gray area in the middle of indifference where you don't have to support them, but you don't have to shame them either. And this whole body positivity movement, I feel like is not trying, I don't, I don't feel like it's trying to say um, that, you know, people should be, I don't, how am I trying to say this? I don't, I think they're enabling basically is what it gets to, what it gets down to. This whole body positivity movement is anti-shaming, which is good. That's good. If you stop there, it's good. But then when you go into telling people that they're fine just the way that they are, or they're beautiful, their body is beautiful the way that it is, everybody is beautiful, that's just horseshit. It's not, it's like, it's, first of all, it's objectively just not true. Subjectively, to some people, it could be true, because there's some people who are into they might be into morbidly obese people. Maybe that's your thing. And if that's your thing, then that's fine. Okay. But you are, I don't think you're representative of the majority. And, and furthermore, are you, are you acting in that person's best interest by telling them that their body is beautiful? Cause it, okay. Let's say that you're, you, what you say, your statement has its intended effect, which makes that person 
who is morbidly obese feel like it's okay to be morbidly obese. Okay, let's say that that it works. You say it enough and they believe it. And that person who's morbidly obese truly believes that they are okay just the way they are. Then that person gets diabetes. Then that person loses a foot. Then you go back and have a conversation with that person. Do you feel bad? (laughs) Do you feel like maybe if you had said something earlier, like, hey, Brenda, you're about 200 pounds overweight. I love you. You're a good person, but you got to get your shit together or you're going to lose a foot someday. Like, are you going to, are you truly, are you honestly saying that when Brenda loses her foot, that you're not going to feel any sense of guilt? Like, maybe I should have said something before it got this bad. You're telling me you're going to continue to tell Brenda that she's fine just the way she is and she doesn't need to change anything. Think about it. For a second, you're there with Brenda. You're there with one-footed Brenda. <laughs> She's laying in the hospital bed. She just woke up from surgery where she had her foot amputated because she's super diabetic, because she's super fat, because she has super bad diet, and her pancreas just stopped working. Okay? Now, you're there. Five years ago, Brenda brings up a conversation from five years ago. And she says, why did you tell me I was fine just the way I was? I still have my foot. You should have told me I was a big fat ass. I only kept eating that ice cream because you said it was okay. And I look good just the way I was. Who's the, are you, are you a real friend? No, no. You're only, you only told Brenda five years ago that she was fine the way that she was because you were worried that if you said the opposite, if you told her what she needed to hear instead of what she wanted to hear, that you would be labeled as a fat shamer and you would lose social cred. That's what you were really worried about. You were acting in your own self-interest, you fucking skinny bitch. Right? You're skinny. You don't have to worry about this shit. You tell your fat friend, Brenda, (laughs) that she's fine the way she is because you don't want her going off telling other people that you told her that she needed to lose weight because then those people might think that you're a fat shamer and you'll lose social cred and then you'll be labeled as a fat shamer. When in reality, you or the one acting in Brenda's best interest by telling her to get her shit together before she lost a fucking foot. But you didn't because you were more concerned about your social status than you were about your friend's foot. Who's the real friend here? You know what the real friend is? The real friend is the one that tells you, hey, fat ass, you are super fat. Like, I love you. But if you don't get your shit together, someday you're going to lose a fucking foot. 
And if you don't do something about it, that's what's going to happen. And I'm going to be there to say, I told you so. I'm going to still be your friend, but I don't want to hear any shit from you when you're hobbling around like a fucking pirate. I'm going to buy you a parrot to put on your shoulder and an eye patch. And I'm going to call you Captain Brenda Blackbeard. <laughs> Uh, captain of the high seas of Diet Coke. Like, seriously, who's the better person? The one that says, no, Brenda, you're fine. Have more ice cream. <laughs> or the one that says, get your shit together because I care about you and I don't want you to lose a foot. Who's your real friend? You tell me. Fucking everybody is beautiful. Fucking bullshit. These people are not your real friends. So another thing, uh, while we're on the topic of women and their appearance, because no, notice no one gives a shit if you call a guy a fat ass. You say, uh, hey, Brad. <laughs> you fat shit. <laughs> you fucking fat ass. You need to lose some weight, you bitch. I can see your bitch tits. Your bitch tits are bigger than my mom's. <laughs> Fucking Brad. No one cares. Like, let's say I told my friend Brad that. I don't have a friend named Brad that has bitch tits bigger than my mom, by the way. But, <laughs> but let's say I did. Let's say I told Brad that. And Brad goes off in what he makes a post on social media. He's just going to get humiliated more. No one's going to feel bad for Brad. No one gives a fuck about Brad's feelings or his big floppy bitch tits. <laughs> They'll probably agree with me. They'll be like, yeah, yeah, you do need to lose weight, you fat fuck. <laughs> Listen to Justin. He's your real friend. But somehow when it comes to girls, it's like it doesn't, it, it's, it's, it doesn't work. God, Fucking double standards. Ladies, you're more concerned about what other people think about you than how you actually are, like objectively in real life. Like care about your health. If you have a friend telling you you need to lose weight, they're not fat shaming. They're not bigots. They care about you. They want you to be healthy. Unless they're saying it just to be a bitch. But, you know, you, you know the difference. So anyway, I was, uh, bing, by the way, Bill. So another thing that we were talking about while we were in the lobby, after the whole uh, bomb, not bomb incident in the lobby, um, we went in and watched the show, and then we decided we were going to go eat because I was hungry. I didn't realize it was going to be almost midnight. And this was during the week, by the way. This was a Wednesday like Miguel and Jenny, God, I can't, I got like this weird gas bubbling up from like, I, didn't, I haven't eaten anything in like three hours. I don't know what this is. It's like something that's coming up from down under. Um, so we were, we were in the lobby. I'm, I'm sorry. We weren't in the lobby. 
we went back to eat, right? So we go to the Barley House, we're eating, and we're just sitting there and we're talking, you know, having conversations as friends do over dinner. And I can't remember how the topic of conversation came up about women dressing in public and how they dress. But I, all I remember, I'm just going to tell you what I remember. I remember Jenny saying, and Jenny's lovely, by the way. I love Jenny. Jenny, I love you. This is not a bad thing about Jenny. I'm just saying this is what she said. She said something about how um, women, you know, they'll dress up for, you know, to feel good to, about themselves. And I, I don't disagree with that. But, and I'm not talking about what Jenny said specifically. I'm just talking about this overall concept. It, it brought up this overall concept that we have about how women dress. And this is not the first time I've had this conversation with, with a woman about women's dress in public. You know, and it's like this, uh, this, this very common rhetoric that you hear, uh, and I'm sure you've heard it as well, about how when women dress up, you know, they put on all the makeup, you know, they put the, the push-up bras, the, the tight clothes, the whatever, and they do that all for them to feel confident, to feel good about themselves and their body. And, and, and I called bullshit on it. And this is not the first time I called bullshit on it. I wasn't, I wasn't saying, Jenny, you're a fucking liar. I've called bullshit on this because I've had this conversation before. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You, here's my thing. Women don't dress up like that for them. They dress up like that for everybody else. Okay, when they're putting on the push-up bra, and they're putting on the eyeliner and the lipstick and the makeup and all that stuff. They're not doing that for them. You know how I know? I'll tell you how I know. Because what's the first fucking thing women do when they get home after being out all night dressed like that? What's the first fucking thing they do? They plop on the couch, undo their pants, take off their bra throw that shit across the room, put on some PJ pants, a big baggy shirt, wipe that shit off their face, and eat ice cream in front of the fucking TV and they binge Netflix. That's exactly what they fucking do. That's what they do for them. That's what women do for them. They do that shit for them. The other shit, they do for everyone else. If you really do that for you, why don't you dress like that at home? Why don't you have on full makeup at home? Why don't you wear high heels around the house? Why don't you wear push-up bras all night long while you're making dinner, while you're doing laundry, while you're picking up the kids from school and all that? Well, I shouldn't say picking up the kids from school because then you're going out in public and people might see you, so you might dress up like that then, once again, because someone else might see you. So you're doing it for them. You're not doing it for you. If you know, if you're a woman and you know no one else is going to be seeing you for the rest of the night, you're honestly trying to pass this bullshit off onto me that you're going to be dressed up like that for you. If that's true, 
the next time you're at home alone, the kids are out of the house, your husband's gone. I want you to stay in those tight ass clothes. I want you to stay in that push-up bra. I want you to keep all that makeup on. I want you to have your hair fully done. And I want you to have high heels on while you sit on the couch and watch Netflix with no one else around. You do that for you, go fuck yourself. You don't do that for you. Don't try to pass me off on that bullshit. It's like this thing that girls do where they're like, they, they just, it's like, we know it's because you're, you're trying to impress other people and that's fine. Like, why are you so hesitant to admit that? It's okay. Like, you want to look good for other people. You don't want other people to see you looking like shit. It's understandable. I don't, I don't understand this need for women to try to convince everyone that they're doing it for them and not for other people. Like, what's your need? To, why do you not want me to think? Why are you afraid that of me knowing that you want to look good because you want other people to see you looking good? What's your problem with admitting that? What's your problem with me knowing that? There, should, there isn't a problem. And guess what? Us guys, we fucking know. We know. It's not a secret. We know. When you tell us it's because you want to feel good. Now, there is some truth to that. But you want, you dress like that in public because you want to feel good about yourself. But you can only feel good about yourself if everyone else thinks you look good. So that's why you do it. And we know that. Okay. Spoiler alert. Women, all guys know this already. It's so, and guess what? We don't care. We just, we just like looking at your tits in the push-up bra. We like the way the high heels make your ass look. It's okay. Come out of the closet. Admit it. You're going to feel so much better, okay? Let's just clear the air. We need transparency. That's what we need. Bing! Um, so I was thinking about how communication has changed between people. Um, you know... Nowadays, we communicate the way that we communicate. But in the past, if you go back far enough, the only way to communicate with people was in person with your mouth. That was before we had written language, right? I'm talking about a long time ago, like caveman days, okay? We didn't have like a universal written language. You couldn't write letters. You literally... The only way you could communicate with another human being was face-to-face -face with your mouth hole. Then we developed written language. Now you didn't have to be face-to-face. -face. You could write a letter um, or have someone who knew how to write write a letter because <laughs> you might not have known how to write. 
but you could send letters, right? So that was an option. And that was basically it all the way up until like, what, the 60s when they invented the fax machine? Because then you could write a letter, it was still a letter, but you could like fax it across the country, you know, within minutes. And that was a big deal. That was before email. And then you didn't have to write a letter. You didn't have to have, wait for someone to deliver it. You didn't have to see them face to face, right? And then you progressed from that to the next stage, which was email. And the email came out, I think, like in the early 80s. I mean, it wasn't email like it is now. Like it was all intranet type stuff, like, uh, and not internet, but intranet. In, in, inter means between. Intra means within. These are Latin root words. I'm a science nerd, I told you. So this is all these the science, scientific terminology is all Latin based. And so, Inter means between. That's why like interstates are called interstates because they go, they're roads that go between different states. But within the same state would be like an intrastate highway. We don't call them intrastates. Uh, we just call them highways or whatever. But intra means within. Like So like if you had an intranet, it would be like some giant company like how Google is today, they would basically have like their own servers and you could connect and, and correspond with other people within that intranet, um, other people who worked at Google um, through this intranet, right? And that's kind of how email started. And then we went from there to internet email where people could, anyone, you could communicate with anyone through the internet, which was global. So now you could send correspondence, you know, instantly across the world. Uh, then cell phones, right? First, uh, you could do T9 text messaging, which was awful. For those of us who are old enough to remember T9, at the time, we thought it was awesome. We were like, holy shit. One, one space, two, two, two space, four space, eight, eight space, right? You had to hit the number however many times you wanted to get the letter you needed, right? So we could do that. And then texting got better and then social media. And so now we've gotten basically to the point where uh, at first I thought texting was stupid. I'm not gonna lie. Like when texting first came out, I was like, this is fucking stupid. I'll just call you. Like it's so much quicker and easier just to call you right but then texting got really good and you could send like basically a paragraph um you know pretty quickly once you got the, the keyboard and you could use both phones and you didn't have to do the t9 bullshit and so um now what i've started noticing is we're getting progressively lazier with our communication uh like used to, I would send a text message and someone would actually respond with a text message. Now, people don't even respond to a text with a text. Now, there's this new function, you know, where you can just like, like <laughs> what the comment or 
put a little heart next to the comment. And so I'll send a text message and then I'll just get like an exclamation point on the text message I just sent. And that'll be the person's response. And I'm like, so we are meeting for dinner at 630. And then the person sends back like a thumbs up. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, okay. Just, 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 just say okay or say yes. But it, it got me thinking about like where communication is going. You know, if we just keep following this trend, I mean, at what point do people just start communicating with symbols? Like there will be a symbol which encapsulates the meaning of what it would formerly take an entire sentence or a couple of sentences to express of, of, of text. So, like we all know, uh, eggplant, water drop, peach, we all know that means I'm going to come on your ass. <laughs> Basically, we're going to have sex later. That's what that means, right? So, we know, like, we know that it just kind of skips all of the foreplay that uh, you know words take you through this whole process of foreplay when you're when you're dirty talking or trying to flirt with someone so it just kind of got me thinking about where communication is going in the future and i just wonder how long it's going to be until we develop basically what the ancients had which is just a uh just symbols like uh hieroglyphs or petroglyphs or some kind of glyph uh some sort of communication where they use primarily symbols and then i got to thinking holy shit what if these ancients like we look at their their ancient language and it's just all symbols and we think it's very primitive but what if it wasn't? What if like they had already gone through all the shit we're currently going through now and they reached that inevitable end result, which was to progressively condense the language down into being able to express more and more uh, with less and less. And they had it down to basically where they could just use a group of symbols that would express entire paragraphs or what would what would traditionally take paragraphs or, or pages of text to express and then i got to thinking what if that's true and these people were way more advanced than we gave them credit for and if they were way more advanced than we gave them credit for, then what happened? Well, I mean, you know, things with the earth happened, like climate change, ice ages, 
volcanic eruptions, you know, all, all, all sorts of things contributed to and have contributed to mass extinctions over time. We know that there have been several mass extinctions. And I'm not trying to create a new conspiracy theory here. I'm just saying this is stuff that's fun to think about. Like, we, we think of these ancient cave symbols, which, and, and remember, like, these things that we find, like, from ancient Mesopotamia, for, uh, for instance, which was about, what, 12,000 B.C.? It's kind of known as the first uh, modern, I, I, I don't know if you call it a modern human civilization, but Mesopotamia is regarded as the earliest advanced human civilization, which just happens to be where modern day Iraq is between the Tigris and the Euphrates River, which are two of the four rivers mentioned in Genesis about where the location of the Garden of Eden was. Basically, the Garden of Eden being the first place where humans uh, evolved or came about, appeared, if you will. And it's just interesting because the Bible specifically mentions these two rivers. And I'm not like a religious person. I'm like, uh, you, you know, I'm not uh, in any sense. I'm one of those people who thinks that uh, the Bible is shouldn't be taken literally. And, and I know that that's very controversial because there are people who think that the Bible should be taken literally for its word, but then those same people work on Sunday or, you know, have women that are allowed to speak. <laughs> I mean, like, you can't, you can't have it both ways. Like, you, you, you can't literally take the Bible word literally. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, if you do, there's all sorts of problems, okay? Instead, I'm one of those people who's like, okay, these are stories that are doing what I'm talking about doing what I'm talking about that what we're doing, what we're progressively working towards, which is condensing a massive amount of information down into a parable. And so these stories are actually just parables that are representative of a much larger thing that was going on um, in the so socioeconomic and cultural atmospheres of the time in which they were written. For instance, uh, the, the story of Cain, and I'm getting way off track here, but while we're on the topic, because this is just stuff that interests me, the older I get, the more interested I, I get uh, in stuff like this, kind of decoding the past and like why we are where we are in the way that we are. Um, in the story of Cain and Abel, um, which was one of the first stories in the Bible, next to the Garden of Eden. So Cain was a was it Cain? I may be getting the two mixed up, but one was a farmer and one was a, a wild, like he, he lived off the land. Like he was a wild, he was a hunter gatherer. He was a hunter. So um, let me see. Cain killed Abel, right? So Cain was the farmer and Abel was the hunter gatherer. Uh, and Cain was jealous of Abel because um, Abel had a big fat sheep that he could sacrifice to God because he 
hunted the sheep or something. He had a big fat animal that he hunted that he could sacrifice to God because he lived in the wild. And all Cain had was produce, like vegetables to give to God. And so Cain was jealous of Abel because Abel had a, a much better gift to sacrifice to God. So Cain killed Abel out of jealousy. And so it, it should not be looked at as Cain literally killed Abel, like that there was a person named Cain and there was a person named Abel. That's not the point. The point is, is that this is representative of a larger thing that was going on at the time, which was people had forever been hunter-gatherers until the agricultural revolution, which was happening around the same time that all these stories were written. So Cain was not actually a person. Cain was a representation. He was the personification of the agricultural revolution, which was going on, how people were starting to become more sedentary um, and started learning to farm and stay sedentary instead of moving around following the, the, um, what am I trying to say? Following the herds is what I'm trying to say of animals and, and being hunter gatherers, people had started to learn how to farm and then that caused them to be sedentary. You can't be constantly moving around the whole country. You have to stay and tend to the farm, right? So the, the story of Cain and Abel was really not about these two people, but it was really a larger about a larger story between the um, transition of human society from a hunter-gatherer society into an agricultural society and the agricultural society beat the hunter-gatherer society and that was in Cain and Abel were represent representative of that okay so um my point is is that <laughs> I got I got way off on this tangent because what I was trying to say was that these ancient languages, they did not have giant, um, you know, manuscripts. Like these were the books of the Bible. Each one is not that long. Like the Bible is actually a whole bunch of smaller books put together. And when, when scientists discover these um, tablets, you know, they have like engraved symbols all throughout them but each symbol represents a concept not necessarily one single word it's not like see spot run spot is a dog whatever whatever it's like it'll this one symbol can encapsulate this entire concept of something that would take an entire paragraph to explain through traditional words so what if where we're headed with all of this condensing and the shortening of the language and moving towards uh, symbols or um, singular responses like a thumbs up or an exclamation point, what if this is all just like a repeat of what we've already done? And the only reason why we think that these people are primitive is because we assume that because it happened a long time ago, things progress in a linear fashion and we must be becoming more and more advanced as time goes on. But what if we were super advanced and then we took a nosedive because of some cataclysm 
And now we are just now getting back to the point to where humans were a very long time ago. Hmm. Bing. I guess maybe this will be the last one. Um, I don't know. I feel like the show isn't really funny. But that's okay. Like, I'm not trying to be funny all the time. This isn't like necessarily a comedy show. Um, you know, I, I do enjoy laughing and making jokes and, and, and all that. But I also enjoy having intellectual conversations about um, stuff that's deep. I enjoy that too. So so I have this idea. I was thinking about how the world is going to end. <laughs> I know that, you, you know, we have all these big ideas about how the world is going to end. You know, it's going to end with uh, climate change. It's going to end with a nuclear winter or an asteroid impact or something, right? Um, I think the most likely thing that's going to bring about the demise of the human race is simply put that we're going to reach a point to where shit's going to break in the future. And there's going to be fucking no one that knows how to fix it. Like the generation that's coming up, how many of them are interested in knowing how to grow food? Farming. Have you seen the farmers? Like, think about, a, think about your average farmer. They're old. <laughs> like, Who's going to do the farming when the, when the water pumps that like pump the water in the city for like from, you know, the, 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 the sources that pump it to your house, when those things go out, who the fuck's going to fix it? Who knows how to fix it? How many people would you say that the number of people who are interested in learning that trade and how to fix real tangible physical things is would, would you say that that number is going up or would you say that that number is going down the number of people on the planet is going up but the number of people interested in knowing how to fix shit is going down so think about like at that tipping point where human population going up 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 number of people who know how to fix shit going down, down, down. <laughs> it is only a matter of time before you have shit that breaks, no one to fix it, and too many people who are relying on it, and then stuff goes south real fast. Like, I was thinking about um, the winter storm, you know, that we had here in Texas. And in the winter storm that we had like it knocked the water pumps out like the it, it knocked out the electricity which knocked out the water pumps because the water pumps work off of electricity right so that shit had to be repaired and i'm like 
what if there was just no one who knew how to do it? Like a, a physical person who knew how to fix it had to literally go out there and with their hands and tools fix it. What if that person wasn't there? The water would have just not come back on. And then how long can you do that for? Like all the grocery stores were all out of water because everyone had flocked to stock up and they, you know, they panic shopped, right? So like there was no water in the grocery stores. Like how much longer could we have gone without it? We couldn't have. So that's to me is the much more likely um, scenario that would bring about the collapse of a society. Simply shit breaks. No one knows how to fix it. Um, I feel like we need to end like on a good note. I don't know what the good note is. I'm turning 37 tomorrow. Um, so it's my birthday, but that's not necessarily like a super awesome thing because I've had quite a few birthdays and it's no big deal. I don't have anything planned. I'm not even doing anything. Like that's, I'm going to sit around and I'm going to, I'm probably going to just, uh, you know, get, get drunk and cry. It's probably what I'm going to do tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to try to drink so fast that I pass out before I start crying. Those are my birthday plans. That's what your birthday's like when you're turning 37 and you're in the middle of a divorce and you live in an RV behind your parents' house. <laughs> And you have a podcast that no one listens to. But you're listening, aren't you? You sweet, sweet angel, you. Go tell your friends. Maybe I'll make a dollar or two off of this thing eventually. If I haven't put a bullet in my brain by then. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. I will kill myself in a much neater way because I want an open casket. Like I want, my mom's going to want an open casket. She's going to want to see my face. And if half of it's gone, she's not going to be happy. Okay. So, you know, and, and, and this is just a tip for anyone out there who wants to kill yourself. I'm not going to tell you not to do it. I'm going to tell you that if you do it, just be considerate of the people who have to clean up after it. Like how inconsiderate is it of people who just blow their brains out in the middle of their living room? Like they take a shotgun and they just blow their brains out, pointed straight up at the ceiling. Like the guy, there's some fucking guy who's going to walk in <laughs> with his little hazmat suit on. He's going to fucking walk in to your house, which smells like shit from your decomposing body 
and there's going to be like brain splatter all over the ceiling and the ceiling fan and the light fixtures and the TV and the microwave. So you can be like little fragments of shit everywhere. There's an actual person who's going to have to clean up all that. Like, think about that guy. I mean, you're giving him work. Like, you're justifying his job. He's making a living, supporting his family, cleaning up after inconsiderate fucks like you. That's one thing. So I guess in that way, you're supporting an industry and good for you. However, I feel like those people would probably be just as happy to find another occupant. See, I, I fucked that up. F- occupation. What the fuck was I saying? Occupancy? Another occupation where they didn't have to clean up brain matter off of a ceiling, a popcorn ceiling, where you gotta like get, it's not a smooth surface. You gotta like get in between the grooves. How do you clean that? You just gotta scrape that shit off and re-texture the whole ceiling. That's what I think. So just, just, before you do it, just consider how you do it. Think about the people that have to come in and clean up after you. Think about the fact that, you know, they might want an open casket. You know, don't destroy your face is all I'm saying. Maybe write some letters, you know, just saying your goodbyes. Put it in a nice little sealed Ziploc bag, you know, next to your body. You know, it'll be like a nice little goodbye. That's all I'm saying. Instead of a gruesome horror scene. All right, everybody. (laughs) Send. Tell me how much you loved the show today by uh, emailing me at thisjustinbox at gmail.com. Thisjustinbox at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I I don't have a sign-off. That's the way the cookie crumbles. I guess we'll go with that. All right. Goodbye, everybody. See you next time.